entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so, and that's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today via Skype, like the rest of the world, is Kate O'Neill. Hi, Kate. How are you? How you doing, Marty? We're doing great. I guess you're holed up in New York City, huh? I am, yeah. Hell's Kitchen, New York City. Uh, it's, a, it's ordinarily a really beautiful place to be. <laughs> I haven't seen much of it lately, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk about that as we go through our conversation today. Uh, allow me to introduce Kate O'Neill. I want to read every word in this because it, uh, it's important so you understand who Kate is. Companies like Google, Etsy, Cisco, and more look to Kate O'Neill, the tech humanist, for optimism about the role of technology in the world, along with a firm reality check. Kate is founder and CEO of KO Insights, a strategic advisory firm committed to improving human experience at scale. She regularly keynotes industry conferences and corporate events advocating for the future of humanity in an increasingly tech-driven world. Her insights help corporate and cultural leaders rethink how to succeed long-term by taking a human-centric approach to digital transformation and readiness for the future. Her clients and audience have included a wide variety of world-leading corporations, nonprofit organizations, cultural institutions, professional associations, and industry conferences, as well as states and cities such as Amsterdam and even the United Nations. Kate, welcome to the Business Builder Show. Thrilled to have you back. You were on a few months ago, and we are talking about your book, which is Tech Humanist. How I you love can the make... way you say that. It's... You like it? <laughs> I've been yeah. practicing that. Tech human the, is that just the way I say it? The the way you roll into human, like I say, human with like a, a heavier yeah. whatever. Yeah. I don't remember the the way you talk about that morpheme, but but or the uh, the phoneme. But your your uh, H on humanist is so different, and I love it. It must be. Are you from Pennsylvania originally? Is that where your accent's yeah. from? I love yes. it. And there's some people who do pick up on that. So now I'm uncomfortable <laughs> saying tech humanist. But <laughs> with all of this no, being I'm, said, <laughs> I can see we're going to have a lot of fun. So you were on the show earlier, and uh, our friend Kelly Hoey was part of that. Um, you are a professional speaker. So I guess the first <laughs> question I have for you is, how has this pandemic affected you? Talk to me about that. Sure. It has affected uh, everything in the speaking space, for sure. So, you know, uh, uh, all the events 
that uh, that were taking place in person for the foreseeable future have either been postponed uh, postponed to a later date, postponed indefinitely, or canceled outright. And that started happening pretty early in 2020. I think, you know, my, my first heads up that this was going to be uh, really happening was, as I was kind of watching it take place in, in Wuhan and throughout China, uh, but when I saw that the Mobile World Congress that was taking place in Barcelona actually canceled, I was like, oh, very mm. interesting. And that was pretty mm. early. I think that was February that that took place, that that, that uh, cancellation happened. Mm. So, yes, the world of speaking and in-person events completely turned upside down, as as your listeners all know. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. what's been happening in the speaking space is that most of us who make our living there are trying to adjust and kind of set up these these home-based virtual presentation studios. <laughs> so uh, I'm taking place uh, taking part this week in an event called Speak Aid 2020, uh, which I don't know when you're releasing this event, but it may have already taken place by the time uh, this podcast comes out. But uh, I'm try to get it out before then so that people can oh, tune into you. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. So yeah. all this week, uh, Dan Pontefract uh, is the guy who's organizing this whole thing. And it's all for charity. And all of us are speaking, uh, you know, for pro, pro bono <clears throat> and raising money for uh, uh, for the Red Cross and Red Crescent for, for corona, coronavirus and COVID-19 relief. And mm-hmm. what's really great about it is to, to see a whole lineup of, of my speaking Peers and aspirational peers, I'll say. Some of them are, are really top, top, top speakers. And they are doing the same thing I'm doing. It's kind of a great leveler. We're all in our apartments or houses, you know, trying to figure out what's the best camera angle, what's the best lighting, you know, trying to make the most of this whole thing. Yeah. And just, you know, I think the, the great thing about this is the audiences are really forgiving right now. Everybody knows that we're all dealing with the same limitations and constraints, and it's really about the content. It's really about mm-hmm. what people are sharing and, and what they're trying to do to be helpful to their mm-hmm. audiences. So I love the tagline, Speak A 2020. Uh, the tagline is spread the word not the virus. I, I, I love that. That's, that's really good. And so you're figuring on those camera angles for all that video. And so you'll probably be forced to wear your dress pajamas, you know, in this, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this event, huh? <laughs> You've been huh? paying attention. That's my, uh, that's my great, my great Twitter joke is that I, I barely learned to change between my nighttime pajamas and my daytime pajamas, let alone do anything a lot more aggressive than that. Everybody's talking about, you know, uh, learning to salsa dance or bake bread or whatever. It's <laughs> got such grand ambitions for their quarantine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, how are we getting through this day? Let's let's make sure we're focused on uh, on actually yeah. being in the right headspace. Well, let's let's use that as an opportunity to say, how am I paying attention to, to Kate? And it is on Twitter, and you can find her at Kate O, K-A-T-E-O, right? That's correct, yeah. right, Kate? All right. Correct. So you'll do want to follow her on Twitter. Her website is koinsights.com. You'll want to go there and see more about her and and because uh, you're she's already charming us. So you know she's a great speaker. So so okay. So virtual events. Um, everybody's adjusting, adapting, p- pivoting is the famous word now. Everybody mm-hmm. is pivoting. Uh, here's where I want to go now. Um, from your view as the tech humanist. Um, 
how is the how are you seeing or what's your point of view on how this is affecting all business i know that's an unfair question but kind of just talk to me about that what, what's your view of things yeah, so I, I think from my perspective, um, what's been interesting is that I, I so I've been talking to, to companies, I've been advising clients uh, for years on topics related to digital transformation. And the, the strategy that I talk to clients about is a, a human-centric digital transformation strategy. And I've been watching how COVID-19 and coronavirus pandemic has been playing out in the business space. And what's been intriguing to me is that a lot of the companies that seem they're, 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 like they're making a, a good adjustment, that they're adapting quickly, that they're being nimble, are using many of the same principles that I've advised my clients on for digital transformation, but it's more broadly uh, applying to transformation, you know, kind of at scale in general. So I'm thinking about, you know, the idea is you align your business toward what the company exists to do and what the person outside the company is trying to achieve. So, you know, in ordinary times, that's just whatever it is that, that you're, you know, marketing what your uh, sort of product or service is about and then what the customers or users or guests or patients or whatever outside of, of the company look mm-hmm. to you for, right? And the mm-hmm. closer you are to, the more you aligned you are with that, the more you can amplify that through data and technology. And, and that's, the, that's the whole premise of human-centric digital tra- uh, transformation. But what's been interesting is watching how companies that are are not you know what you would think of as traditionally tech companies have also been using that same sort of mindset to mm-hmm. adapt and you know as you say pivot it's not even in in many cases it's not even so much a pivot as just a little shift just a little twist uh, in in how they're they're playing out the the way that they offer their services I can give you an you- example would that be a helpful yeah, yeah so sure. so I so Starbucks I think is a really interesting example right now because I think you know no one thinks of Starbucks necessarily as a tech company um, but you do think about I think it doesn't take very very long when you sit and dwell on what the Starbucks offering is before you remember that their mobile app is a really kind of key part of the experience of using Starbucks these days. And, mm. and uh, I think with that mindset, you know, they already had an understanding of what it was they're offering customers. It's not just coffee. It's not just, you know, the, the idea of, of the, the coffee product, but it's the whole package of, of the brand, of the uh, convenience, of, the, of all of that. And the convenience piece was what they were able to, I think, hone in on. That whole idea mm-hmm. of pre-ordering your drink and having it ready for you to go under, again, under normal circumstances was all about that, that convenience. But it actually turned out to be that the infrastructure they had put in place to make that possible allowed them to to be nimble and, and adaptable as the circumstances demanded that they then switch to drive through and delivery only and and mm-hmm. deal with what that was going to look like in their their post or you know during pandemic world and reality interesting and i think the word empathy would apply to starbucks and a whole bunch of other folks who are doing this right they just simply uh understood what people were going through and what they're uh, concerned about is is that an okay statement to make 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so empathy is is such an easy characteristic to overestimate or, or to to imagine that it's too abstract or that, you know, we we talk. I think there's a lot of criticism of the idea of empathy as as kind of a um, a buzzword and that it doesn't really mean anything in practice. But I think you can look at an example like. Um, Starbucks or, or other companies that are doing right by their employees, or at least as I perceive it, as I mean, I'm not one of their employees, so I can't speak from personal experience, obviously, but I do see their policies and the way that they've adapted as, as looking at least very uh, employee-centric. And they, they even have, I was, I was refreshing myself on the changes that they've made and when, and they do actually have one a uh, really nice perk that they've been doing that any customer who identifies as a frontline responder to the outbreak receives a tall brewed coffee, hot or ice at no charge until May 3rd. And I, when I saw that, I was like, you know, that's that's going above and beyond. That's really a very um, community centric, human centric way to orient your brand during these times. That is solid. That is a great case study. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and what's wrong with that? I mean, that's good. That's all good. Um, you know, aligning your brand with being empathetic for your employees and for your customers, what your customers need. They want contactless uh, kind of thing that yes. Domino's are now using. I, that's a hard word to say. I couldn't say that quickly. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the whole concept of that and some there's still amazingly some companies who are not still adjusting, if that's the right word. So so. Talk to me about this. And again, all these are unfair questions. So <laughs> I'm, I'm putting that ahead of time. So did you see, and you don't have to give me examples, but what companies, not by name, but were there more, were there some companies more prepared than others and, and why? What was their, what was their life uh, ahead of this that kind of prepared them for what they're facing now? Now you kind of addressed that, you know, in what you said a few minutes mm -hmm. ago, but but you understand my question, what I'm asking? Yeah. Are they, there are yeah, some more prepared than others, I guess. I do think so. And I think some of it has to do with the leadership mentality and the culture mm, of the company mm -hmm. and how they're, how they're sort of predisposed to view change. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, change comes at you fast a lot of the time. I mean, not just when it's a pandemic like this, not just, you know, at this scale, but at any scale, you know, markets change, demand changes, consumer trends change, you know, all kinds of things can be affected, affecting the externalities of your business and the market conditions can be shifting day to day. And so I think the, the really useful mental strategy is to always be approaching every day as if it, it could be something entirely new. And you might have to be making those mini pivots or shifts in how your business adjusts to that. So I think that mentality as from a leadership perspective and from a cultural perspective, being ready to uh, adapt and being ready to, to iterate, uh, to, to, you know, bring the company more into alignment. I think that's been really key in, in, in some companies doing well and some companies not doing as well in adapting to the current times. And I think it's also yeah. going to be key to going forward from here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that I think that if you, if your company, if you as a leader or you as someone who's uh, part of a leadership team within a company, do feel like maybe your company has not had that mentality as much as you could. There's no reason why you can't start to bring that mentality more to the forefront now. And one way I think that companies can do that is to think about what that roadmap looks like for them over the next 
30, 60, 90 days and, and mm-hmm. allow themselves to really think about that. Again, going back to the idea of aligning between what the company exists to do and what people outside the company are looking to the brand or to the company for. And I think it could be really helpful to to take it back to what it looked like before so that you had that orientation yeah. about like, what were yeah. you doing before? What was your pre-pandemic life around like, what did you offer? What did the market look to you for? And what does it look like now? And what will it probably look like in 30, 60, 90 days? And you got to allow for that staged recovery of things like gatherings and physical presence. And like you're talking about the contact list, there's probably going to need to be some technology interventions that are going to help you have the kind of connection with your customers that you're going to need to have. But that mental model of how do we make sure that we're as adjusted as we can be to the change that's going to need to take place, uh, because it's going to be nothing but change for the the rest of this year and into next year, Mm -hmm. we got to get ourselves into a place where we can deal with change effectively. Oh, that was great advice. So go pre-pandemic and see what you were doing. That's great advice. I never heard that insight. That's fantastic. So my guest is Kate O'Neill. Her website is koinsights.com. Follow her on Twitter. It's entertaining and informational. <laughs> and it is at Kate O. So you'll want to follow her on Twitter and uh, kind of keep uh, up to speed on what she's talking about. I'm a fan, Kate, of Steve Case, former chairman of AOL. And you may have heard or not, I'll, I'll explain because it's leading to a question. So he's had this um, this uh, event, well, actually it's a long event, it's called Rise of the Rest. Mm-hmm. And he actually gets, he's been getting into a bus and he's been traveling across the country. And the overall objective that he's been trying to get out is to say, you know, everything is in the world isn't just happening in San Francisco and New York City. There's a lot of stuff going on, quote unquote, in the middle of the country. So he's traveled the country to secondary third tier markets and funded companies, blah, blah, blah. So I just saw an article that he wrote and he said he thinks that tech might look at things differently now, uh, especially uh, in the remote worker space that tech may say, well, you know, there are people in Boise, Idaho or in Pasadena or in Scranton, Pennsylvania who could perform these jobs. I'm interested in your point of view from, again, this is your, the human-centric approach to, to tech. Um, do you think things will change uh, the way that people look at technology going forward? Yes. Yeah, I think that's, it's inevitable. I, I, there's been such a, an obvious pivot there in, in terms of how companies have had to embrace remote work and decentralized work. Now, obviously not every type of task can be done remotely. And there's, there's certain types of things that, that by necessity need to be done in person, but, Mm -hmm. but an awful lot, especially information work is the kind Mm -hmm. of work that can be done remotely in, in most cases. And, you know, I I met Steve when um, I lived in Nashville and Nashville Mm -hmm. was one of the cities that was participating in that rise of the Mm -hmm. rest. Uh, mm-hmm. sort of program. So yeah, so I have been a real fan of that idea for, for quite a while. And I, I very much believe that second tier and third tier markets, as you say, or 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 as we might just refer to them, like other cities, <laughs> you know, yeah, not, right. not San Francisco, not New York, that there's plenty of talent and plenty of innovation and plenty of creativity and energy in those places. What I think is really 
powerful right now is to think not only about the distribution of human work and the distribution of those human resources, but also about how we can use capacity in various ways, technological capacity. So I've been seeing some really interesting uh, case studies and uh, examples of coalitions that are forming among companies, universities, other organizations, using what capabilities and capacities they have to, to mm. pivot, to, you know, to adapt and to try to produce needed resources. So, for example, using 3D, 3D printing capabilities to produce mm -hmm. um, face shields. And I know there have been some attempts at ventilators and other equipment. Um, but for sort of face shields, those are pretty easy to, to make with 3D printers. So there's, um, there's a ton of opportunity, I think, amongst the, the various um, talents that are distributed around the country and around the world and the capabilities that exist with, uh, with 3D printing equipment, with augmented reality, with all different kinds of technologies mm -hmm. that are out there and mm -hmm. use them in collective ways that are going to benefit the most people. So the companies and the people who are innovated before this are probably going to be even more innovative and creative going forward and or they've been shocked into uh, into it, which ultimately you hate to say anything's going to, you know, good is going to come out of something so negative. But there are opportunities. Uh, augmented reality, you just mentioned that. I'm thinking, my goodness, that's mm -hmm. like almost limitless what you can do with augmented reality going forward, Kate. Wow. Oh, I've, I'm so bullish on augmented reality. I love augmented <laughs> reality. It's the... It is. So, so I always tell the story that when when I was in the early 90s, when I was in college, I was coming out of college and uh, I had seen the graphical web for the first time. And, and sometimes I think people who forget the early years of the web or the early stages of the web don't remember what it was that I'm describing. But the very earliest incarnation of the World Wide Web was text-based. And then the very first browser, Mosaic, that allowed you to see images in line and you know, kind of formatted text and things like that, uh, that was mind-blowing. I remember mm -hmm. having like tingles <laughs> on the back of my scalp when I saw that. Like, oh my gosh, this is gonna change everything. And yeah. it did, of course. It did. But I think <laughs> out of all the other technologies I've ever seen, there's only been one other one that's made me feel that way, and that is augmented reality. And unfortunately, I can't say that we have seen it <laughs> change everything the way that I imagine it could, but I think it still can. And 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 this uh, this pandemic and the the distributed uh, resources and people that are happening right now, I think this is a really interesting time for thinking about what augmented reality can do. And even just a really, really simple case and a non-business related case is if you've ever used and if your listeners have ever used the app Google Arts and Culture, uh, I don't know, Marty, have you ever used this app? I'm going to admit, no, I have not. Okay, well, you're you're going to want to look it up. So uh, everybody who's listening, take a look for the app, Google Arts and Culture. And what actually happens with that app is you can view a, a, a very famous painting, one of many famous paintings, as if it's in your room, I've your living room, that. let's say. It's yeah. really cool. I had a Bastiat yeah. in my living room the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and you were enjoying it, huh? <laughs> I was. 
Yeah. And so right now, you know, we can't travel, but we can use augmented reality to, to like sort of project as if we're traveling. There are, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for virtual reality too, but mm-hmm. you know, that that's a lot bulkier and more cumbersome and, and more disconnected from the reality of the space that you're in. And I think augmented reality is that perfect blend of the idea that you're in your space, you're aware of your surroundings, you're aware of who's around you, and you're bringing in additional layers of, of interesting facts or information or resources just in time, just as they're needed, just when they're contextually relevant for whatever it is you're trying to do. And I think that's going to be a tremendous opportunity for innovation in the near term. Yeah. So it can be a catalyst for good for those open and creative enough to, uh, to listen. So folks, you've been listening to Kate O'Neill. Her website is koinsights.com. Her Twitter is at Kate O. You want to follow her. You definitely want to get her book. It is Tech Humanist. Subtitle says, How You Can Make Technology Better for Business and Better for Humans. I love the book. You hear me talking about it every now and then. I'll tweet something out, Kate, because I love the work. I love I love the work oh, you do, you. and I love the book. So, Kate O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll give you the last minute or so. If there's something you want to say that I didn't ask, you know, kind of wrap us up. Oh, I think uh, what I, the last point I think is worth uh, everybody reflecting on is that uh, people are going to remember the way that brands behave, the way that leaders behave right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really the time to think in a human-centric way about what human problems you're solving for people and really bring it back just down to that level. How are you solving human problems? And allow that to be what guides you. And the more I think leaders allow that to be what guides them, the more they're going to benefit truly in this moment and beyond it. So people will remember and they will trust and they will uh that will retain as loyalty so um please do the right thing for the right reasons but even if you don't do it for the right reasons do it because it's going to benefit you in the long run (laughs) well i couldn't have said it any better so kate o'neill thank you so much for being part of the business builder show thank you marty bringing the business classroom to you it's the business builder show with marty wolf 